Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. So without any further delay, uh, let's give it up for Matt Hobson. Come on, man. I just heard somebody say, raise the roof. That's awesome. I've got so many gadgets today. Let's see what we're going to do. When they play the video at the end, I'll be honest. Videos with sound when you're not aware that you're being filmed, you've got to be careful, especially on mission trips, because what happens in Honduras stays in Honduras. Right, Mary? But we had, some, we had some good times, we had some wild experiences for sure, but if you could do me a favor, why don't you give yourselves a round of applause first? Because that whole trip was possible because of you guys. You donated all the money for the food, you sponsored almost everyone on the trip, like it was literally a Blue Jean trip. And what's amazing about that is whether you gave a penny to Blue Jean, whether you went on the trip, whether you prayed for us at all, just because you're connected to Blue Jean, you get the same blessings that we did being boots on the ground. Because we're all part of the same kingdom and any contribution you made at all, just being connected, you still get the blessings. It flows right from Aaron's beard down and keeps going right. So you get the same benefits, the same blessings, the same rewards as all of us, regardless of what we do. Normally I do a lot on the mission trips. I worked Blue Jean people like pack mules on this one. I hardly did anything, uh, and so it was really a big blessing. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about missions. We want to talk about outreach. We want to try to get you inspired to do that locally and internationally. Um, we'll talk about it at the end of the service. I know Alpha's class is downstairs, but we're going to have Omega's class in here right after the service. So if you want to stay in here at the end of the service, we're going to talk about missions, how you get your passport. You can ask any questions. If you're in here and you want to know why I was joking with Mary and what happened in Honduras, we might share that story. I mean, we'll talk about all kind of stuff. So if you're interested at all, I know there's Bible study and Sunday schools downstairs, but we'll do kind of like a missions briefing after the service, how you get your passport, how you can go on the next trip, when is the next trip, how to register, all of that kind of stuff, vaccinations, um, travel, etc. So if you're interested at all, Holly and I will stay in here after the service. We'll answer all those questions, all right? Um, I love that Rick plays that song the, when we're in here, Graves to Gardens or whatever the actual name of it is. Is that the name of it? Uh, the only, I don't even know about the song, and I could care less about it. But the line in the song um, that he's the God on the mountain and God in the valley is such a trigger for me. That song was my mother's favorite song by the McCamies, God on the Mountain. And any time that line hits, it brings me back to standing in the kitchen with the smell of Salem cigarette smoke going through the house as she's cooking breakfast with her Bible open, which I have at my house, and the notes that she wrote in it. And every morning when she was doing it and listening to that song, she would say, if you only knew the goodness of God, Matthew, if you only knew how much he loved you, you would give him everything you've got. 
That statement in her life is the reason I became a Christian. It's the reason I do what I do now. It's the reason I'm passionate about outreach and missions. The goodness of God. And man, I'm going to tell you what, the bride bashers have been in full effect the last few days. Um, not to get political, but the Roe versus Wade thing, um, some other things that's been happening in the news. Man, we have been throwing stones at each other for like the last few days. It has been crazy. And I just keep going back to the goodness of God is what brings people to repentance. And, and I can't help when Rick's playing that song and to think about it. Man, if you just knew how much God loved you, if you just really understood the goodness of God, does the rest of all this really matter? I don't know. But I do want to talk about missions. I do want to talk about Honduras. I'll give you a little more uh, updates and some stats here. Uh, from Pastor Luis Sorto at Love Without Boundaries, that's where we stayed. So just so you guys are aware, we visited eight villages while we were there. So um, we stay at a central place there, but then we go out every day in the morning and the evening, multiple times in the mountains, and we minister in those villages. So eight villages um, with about 1,300 plus people is what we came in contact with. Um, uh, over 400 children, so in villages where we separated out, we do full services for men and women, we do full services for youth, and then we hand out the food that you guys provided, um, which somehow comes out to around 7,000 pounds of food. So it's like rice, beans, spaghetti, lard, tomato sauce, um, and we bag all that together and we give that away to people. That was about uh, 1,100 people, families. And a family in Honduras is an average of five to seven people. So you've got to think on this trip, we fed about 5,000 plus people. Um, visited 11 home groups. Uh, when we first started there, they had none. They have 26 home church groups now throughout these communities, which is amazing. When we first were there, we were preaching under pine trees. Now they have multiple churches in these villages that they've built. Um, and people, they're trying to get pastors involved in taking care of those. Um, I've got a ton of stats I'll share with Josh. He can put it in the next newsletter, so I don't bore you to death with like statistics, but if you do like those, we'll share all those with you. We also had something very interesting, um, which is amazing to me, and this is one of my favorite things about missions. Not only did you guys do something, we're partners with Normandy Baptist Church in Tennessee, which is a crazy connection because I, I grew up Baptist, well, Church of God, then Baptist, then Baptocostal, then Pentecostal, then I don't know what I am now, but um, I, I'm a spiritual schizophrenic at this point. But we're connected with Normandy Baptist and uh, Chad Grubbs and Pastor Chris up there, their church, they're very involved in missions. He owns Potts uh, Meats, Potts Meats, they're a processing place. He went on this trip with us, he's a butcher. He purchased, they raised the money outside of what you guys raised for the regular food, they raised the money to buy a cow, a full cow and a full pig, and slaughter it there, butcher it locally with him, and then we handed out meat to all of these families in the communities, which we've never done before. Uh, in 65 years of ministry, that's not even been an idea or a thought to do that there, and how we could do it legally and get it done, and I'll spare you the details, but it's obviously not a processing plant here, like it's a sledgehammer and butcher knives, and you're out in the middle of the road. So, but it was an incredible experience uh, to be able to be part of that, to see it. So shout out to Normandy Baptist and uh, Chad Grubbs and that crew. Uh, thank you guys for helping as well. We were in church uh, this past week, or I don't know, it could have been a couple of weeks ago, 
but um, Church of the Highlands had launched a new campus in where we used to live in the McCullough area. It's called their Southwest Campus. So we went to visit some friends there, and we stayed there that night. And uh, that morning we got up, went to their new campus launch, saw a bunch of our old friends and stuff like that. And the Columbus campus pastor was actually the uh, one that was speaking that morning. And he shared a verse that has stuck with me that I want to share with you, which will really be uh, applicable to this message. It's in 2 Timothy 2.20. And uh, he said, In a large house there are articles not only for gold and silver, but also wood and, wood and clay. And some are for special purposes, and some are for common use. Man, I cannot get that out of my head. Um, now, he went on to preach a great message about it, but we all have a purpose. Um, it could be a common purpose. Wherever you are, I, and I've said it before while we were here, you're a 24-7 mobile Ark of the Covenant, carrying God's presence and His goodness with you wherever you go. So wherever you are, that's where your church is. Wherever you are today, that's where your ministry is. Wherever you, that, that is your purpose today. And so it could be in the most common thing. Just the random act of kindness could completely change somebody's course of their life. But there's also times, like this Honduras trip when it comes up, where there's a special purpose for you, where you need to be prepared and be ready for God to call you out of your comfort zone because that's where the real growth happens and do something so out of your comfort zone that you're no longer the one that is in control. Your dependence is no longer on you. Your dependence is now on somebody else because you can't control what might happen. That's the special purpose that you may be called out of where you're asked to go do something that is just totally off the wall, right? And so today as I'm going through this message, and, 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 it's, and I'm definitely preaching to myself as well, but I want you to think about that in your mind. What is your purpose? What's your common purpose every day? And is there a special purpose that God might be calling you to? And if he is calling you to that, are you willing to step out of your comfort zone and do it? And, of course, I'm a missions guy and I'm an outreach guy and I can say this, but you really only have two choices. The Great Commission was very clear. <laughs> Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them, right? That's a pretty clear message. So, you, well, you could have three choices, I guess. I'll give you a break. I'll, give, I'll throw in a third one for you. But you can either go, you can either give, or you can pray. But that's really our only three choices. But in all of those, you're involved in it. And so today, think about what is my common purpose? Like when you leave here today and you go and do your normal Sunday routine, are you aware of the purpose that God has for you when you leave here? And is there a special purpose for you? If so, what are you going to do with that? Um, when I send out a newsletter through our nonprofit, I always tag a Mother Teresa quote in it that says, you cannot do what I can do. And I cannot do what you can do. But together, we can do great things. Every one of us has a part to play in the kingdom. As a Christian, throw out the word Christian. As a believer, throw that out. But in the kingdom, we all have gifts, we all have talents, we all have special things that we do that play a part in making the world a better place. That's the goal. That should be the goal of the gospel. My wife shared out a Facebook post. I didn't tell her about it this morning. Um, she shared someone else's Facebook post, and he said the gospel is simple. 
he stole this from me, by the way. I posted it on Twitter. So shout out to Sam. He stole it from me. Didn't give me credit for it, but that's okay. Um, but it was a pastor, Chad Brown, and he said, it's okay to speak, Scott, to, to speak God's truth, but we've got to figure out a way to be gentle with the way that we're sharing it. But that the gospel is simple. It's one beggar telling another beggar how to get bread. That's the gospel message. Seeing ourselves as, we're just one beggar. We're no better than the people in Honduras. Actually, it's, I'm jealous when I go there of the joy they have in the midst of their circumstances. It's crazy. It's why Nia, the, the young lady you saw in the video, and Caden uh, had such a radical encounter there. They went, they shared the night Josh preached to the leaders. By the way, Josh and Mary and Colin and Nia, amazing job on this trip. But while Josh was sharing with the leaders, he had asked us just spontaneously, right as the service is starting, would you mind sharing what you took away from the trip? In tears, both of them shared. I came here thinking I was going to serve these people, right? And the people ended up radically transforming both of them. It was crazy. It's just the goodness of God. But as kingdom citizens, that's our responsibility. That's, our, um, that's your goal, right? I'm going to take what I have and figure out how to make the world a better place. There's a Hebraic word, a Hebraic concept called tikkun alam, tikkun alam, which means to repair the world. It's just random acts of kindness. And as a, as a Christian, as a believer, as a kingdom citizen, our responsibility is how do we take this word and how do we repair our world? I was thinking about it. I was showing Holly this morning. She didn't come with me last time. By the way, my beautiful wife, Holly Hobson, is here with us today. She loves when I introduce her like that. Holly, you want to stand up so everybody can see you? You want to wave? She's the really cute blonde back there sitting by Ferris. Um, but I was showing her. I said, hey, I stayed at this uh, Airbnb when I was here last time. And there was a homeless guy that was staying like right in my stairs. So I sit there and talked to him, got up and ran that morning and saw some people from Blue Jean riding around, you know. And uh, I just got to thinking, man, how many of us passed this guy this morning and didn't stop, didn't ask him his name, didn't ask him did he need anything, didn't ask him do you want to go to church with me, didn't ask him do you need some breakfast, right? And, uh, and, uh, and I just happened to randomly stop him. Now, he was aggravated at me because I woke him up. And he's like, what do you want? And I'm like, I don't need anything. I was just going to see if you need anything. I'm staying up here. Do you want some breakfast? Do you want to go to church? He said, I just want to go back to sleep. I'm like, okay. And I took off for a run. But how many of us pass those opportunities up to make the world a better place? In Isaiah 58, this is out of the message translation. I want to read you a few verses. It says, shout, a full-throated shout, Hold nothing back. A trumpet blast shout. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives. Face my family Jacob with their sins. They're busy, busy, busy <laughs> at worship. And they love studying all about me. And to all appearances, they're a nation of right living, law-abiding, God-honoring. And they ask me what's the right thing to do. And they love having me on their side. This is none of us, by the way. But they also complain why do we fast and, we, and you don't even look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? Well, here's why, God says. The bottom line is your fast days is for profit. You drive your employees much too hard. 
You fast, but at the same time, you bicker and you fight. You fast, but you swing a mean fist. This kind of fasting don't even get your prayers off the ground. Do you think this is the kind of fast day I'm after? A day to show off your humility? To put on a pious long face and parade around solemnly in black? Do you call that a fast day that I, God, would like? God is challenging us here, saying, hey, I appreciate all of your religious efforts to get up on a Sunday morning in a 1,000% humidity and come to Blue Jean. Like, great job. But that's not even getting your prayers off the ground. He says in verse 6, this is the kind of fast day I'm after. Break the chains of injustice. Get rid of the exploitation in the workplace. Free the oppressed. Cancel all the debts. What I'm interested in is seeing you do this. Share your food with the hungry. <laughs> Invite the homeless and the poor, not into your church, into your homes. Putting on clothes on the shivering, the ill-clad, being available to your own families. It says, do this and your lights will turn on. Your lives will turn around, your righteousness will pave your way, and the God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, I will answer, God says. You will call out for help and say, here I am, a full life in the emptiest of places. God's promise to us is if we'll reach out and make the world a better place, he will supply all of our needs. That verse literally changed the course of our lives. <laughs> Holly left staff or started leaving staff from that verse. Be available to your own families. We had realized that we had become what Isaiah 58 was challenging us to not become. Very religious <laughs> about being religious, about being in God's kingdom, about being on staff at a church, about working, about, and we had no time. We were so busy doing church, we had no time to actually do ministry. That altered the course of our lives. We had to take a, a, a different, well, we had to repent, essentially, change our mind and go another direction. We had to stop doing that because we weren't even available to our own families. And then we would worry, we'd complain, like, why is our prayers not even getting off the ground? Like, and it's right here. Jesus said in Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. <laughs> He's anointed me for what? For hope for the poor. For the healing for the brokenhearted, for new eyes for the blind, and to preach to prisoners. You are set free. <laughs> I've come to share a message of Jubilee that the time of God's great acceptance has begun. God, that's a great verse. Do you realize that 95% of the world lives outside of the United States? We make up 5% of the world. But yet we consume over 40% of the resources. Now, I'm not bashing us as United, you know, people in the United States, so um, I appreciate where we live and the freedom we have and the resources we have. But I, like Josh was saying about going there to come back and be aware that there's 95% of the world that are living a totally different life today than us. That's why it's so important to go on a mission trip at some point. I'm not saying you have to go every time, but man, I'm going to challenge you today that you've got to go at some point out of your comfort zone and experience what the rest of the world experiences, it will change 
your life. It'll change your perspective. It'll change your children's lives to see how other people in the world live. 2.2 billion people live on very little a day. (laughs) Maybe like $2 or something a day. That's crazy. That's crazy. None of us are having a conversation today of whether we can afford to go to McDonald's or not probably or what we're going to eat for dinner. These are real serious conversations. How do you get clean water in a place that doesn't have clean water? 26,000 children a day are dying because they can't get clean water. Or people are dying from poor sanitation where there's just not a bathroom available at every corner or soap and water to wash your hands when you're finished. It's crazy to me, and you're just not aware of it. And to be honest, and I go on a lot of mission trips, I come back, and, and unfortunately, the time or the gap gets shorter and shorter and shorter before I go back to my normal life and totally forget that there's a 95% group of people in the rest of the world that live that way. So it's not you. I mean, it's all of us. But I want to challenge us to kind of open our eyes, open your mind up, to the rest of the world and challenge you how you, not us, not the four people that went from Blue Jean, not giving, but how can you make the world a better place? How can you do what it's asking us to do here in Isaiah 58? That's the question. You need to be asking yourself that. What is your common purpose? Like, What can I do today? What's the special purpose God might be calling me to? Um, and, And I understand it's not for everybody. Missions are scary, all of that kind of stuff. And anytime I'm talking about missions and outreach and giving away food and all of this, there's undoubtedly somebody that will say, well, how many souls did you save? And I, to be honest, I've, I'm on a different journey than that conversation. <laughs> uh, because the question to me has never been, if you die today, do you know where you're going to go? Yeah, I'm going to be in a funeral home somewhere, I'm a, I'm a, supposedly. I don't know. But the question is not if you die today, where would you go? The question is if you wake up tomorrow, what are you going to do with that extra day you've been given? It's not about if I die tonight, what will happen. It's about if I get to live tomorrow, what am I going to do with the life that's been given to me? Because if we are only 5% of the world, but we make up and use 40% of the resources, we're a pretty blessed nation. Would you agree that we're a pretty blessed nation? Yeah? And if so, that means we have a responsibility to take care of our brother, (laughs) to take care of somebody that can't take care of themselves. And when when Jesus is talking about the poor and taking care of the poor, it's not just uh, physically poor. It could be emotionally poor. It could be be salvation. It could be spiritually poor. It could be food. It could be water. It It covers all of that. If you know there's a need and you can meet it, then are we trying to meet it? That's the question. That's the challenge. Holly and I, when we first went on our very first mission trip to Honduras in 2011, we were with with 23 people, and it was a total mixed bag of denominations. Um, There were several there that were trying to get me saved the whole time. At the time I was cage fighting, they would go to Holly behind my back and like, we'll pray for Matt, we'll pray for his deliverance. Like, if you'll just let us pray for him. And I'm being totally serious. They were trying to save me. 
And, I, you know, I wouldn't have any of that. We were still very religious, and I have told you all before, there was a group on the trip I thought were swingers because they kept trying to love on us and hug us and touch us. And I'm like, this is the most uncomfortable thing I've ever experienced. I just didn't realize they were just really grace-filled people. But uh, I'm like, man, Holly, we got to stay away from them. Uh, so we had such a mixed bag of people. But that group of pastors that were so religious, and they play a purpose in that. So I'm not negating what they did or their purpose. Because maybe their special, pur- special, special purpose was to go and preach salvation. But that message of if you die tonight, where would you go, doesn't translate in a third world country where they don't have food today. Um, I, you know... Have you heard about Jesus and the, and the response be, what village does he live in? I mean, that, it doesn't translate when you say, hey, you just need to repent from your sins today, and you leave, and they're starving with their seven kids starving. As Josh said, there's 90% unemployment. The, the more, more staggering stat to me is that by the age 11, every girl there has a baby, mostly through incest or rape. So to tell a family with seven of those children looking at you, if y'all just repent so you don't go to hell and then you leave, I just can't get on board with that. But that message of if you die tonight, do you know where you're going to go? And, and it'd be all about hell. And I, and I get it. I get it. But what we have done and what we continue to do is we try to elevate these things abortion, homosexuality, heaven or hell. We try to elevate these major hot topic sins while we all like to keep our little small sins under the table so nobody wants to talk about them. That we just passed up the guy sitting on the corner at the Airbnb and didn't ask him did he need something to eat. That we, just, we didn't open the door for somebody coming in. We didn't help the guy in the wheelchair up the steps. To, I mean, whatever it would be, right? If we can elevate these hot topic sins, then it'll take the pressure off of us and the spotlight off of us, and then nobody's going to talk about my gluttony or that I'm a gossiper or that I'm a lying or that I love passive-aggressive Facebook posts or whatever it would be, right? Uh, we don't want to talk about that. As long as I can shine the light over here, right? That's it. Can we just talk about pride? You know, it's pride month. Can we just talk about that? I don't want anybody talking about my, my stuff. And... One of the benefits of being on church staff and having such a random experience with different denominations and groups of people was that we got to study a lot of these things. <laughs> and the question of heaven or hell to me is not the question of salvation because there's a few stories in the Bible that address it, that address this separation we might want to talk about. Like Somehow I'm eternally separated or somehow my purpose and my plan in life is separated from God's purposes and it's never to me been a question of like an eternal heaven or hell it's been a question of what are you doing with what God has given you if we're the if we're a blessed nation it's our responsibility because when much has been given much is being required it's our responsibility to take care of others that may not be able to take care of themselves spiritually emotionally physically mentally financially that's our responsibility. If where much is given, much is required, right? And so if you look at these three stories in the Bible about what separated them from God, it kind of shifts our minds to set a little bit, our perspective. Uh, in Luke 16, the rich man and Lazarus, there was a huge gulf between these two people, right? The rich man went to somewhere that was not such a great place. 
Lazarus went to somewhere, and it was a great place, but it says there was a gulf or a chasm that separated the two, and he couldn't get to him. And when asked, why is this happening, what, what is the response? You passed your brother every day sitting outside the gate, and you did not one thing to help him. That's what separated them. It wasn't a theology question. It wasn't, do you, did you say the prayer when you were 12 at your grandma's church camp? Did you help your brother every day when you passed him at the gate, or did you leave him sitting there with his hand out? That's crazy. Didn't even ask him what he believed. It was just about his actions. That's scary. But did you do the right thing when you knew it was the right thing to do? Let's look in Luke 12, another rich man. This man was so rich and so self-absorbed, he just cared about big and building bigger barns. I've got so much money, I'm going to go build a bunch of stuff so I can store it so nobody else has to be involved in it. It's just going to be about me, myself, and I. My three and no more, right? Jesus says to this guy, hey, today your soul will be required of you. I was okay up until this point. <laughs> When Jesus says, hey, because you've done something so bad, I'm going to kill you, I kind of perk up. I'm like, I need to listen to this because I do some bad stuff. Uh, Holly's can only filter so much of what I do and say. And Jesus is saying, hey, this attitude right here, I'm taking your soul. That's crazy. That's in the Bible. It's amazing when you read it. It's there. But it was so bad, he says, your soul will be required of you. That your only concern was for yourself and what you could accumulate. God, that's so scary. Matthew 25, of course, that's the big one, right? Everybody loves that, especially my religious friends. They want the, we all want to separate everybody, right? We need a winner and we need a loser. You know, the sheep and the goats. And I'm the one that's going to tell you who's going on each side. But we love that story in Matthew 25, that judgment scene. But Richard uh, Stearns has got a great version of Matthew 25. It says this. It says, For I was hungry, and you had all you needed. I was thirsty, but you drank your bottled water. I was a stranger, and you wanted me deported. I needed clothes, but you needed more clothes. I was sick, and you pointed out the behaviors that led to my sickness. I was in prison, and you said I was getting what I deserved. Of course, in that passage, he says, well, when did we do all of that? And Jesus responds, when you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. Undoubtedly, there is eternal consequences and rewards for how we serve the poor or the less fortunate or just each other. Somehow, there's three stories in the Bible where there's a great separation between people that do those things and people that don't. And then, of course, the biggest one, Sodom and Gomorrah. We all love to say, you know, it's an abomination, and we focus on, and, and of course, I'm just throwing out hot topics, so you'll have to apologize. If you want to talk more about this, we'll do it after the service. But... Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah always comes up when you're in any conversation about homosexuality because they say it's an abomination to God. Sodom and Gomorrah's sin and why they were destroyed was, were not, and was not because of homosexuality. 
That shocked me when I found that out. When I read it in the Bible, it had nothing to do with that. Now, it was the root uh, was not that. It was the fruit, right? The fruit of their lifestyle was because of a root issue. But that's not why they were destroyed. Listen to this. It's in Ezekiel 16, 49 through 50. It shocked me to learn this. This came from living a life not pleasing to God and taking care of the poor. In verse 49, behold, this was the guilt of Sodom. Her and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did nothing to help the poor and needy. They were haughty, and it was an abomination before me, so I removed them all when I saw it. Jesus talks about destroying a whole place because of their refusal to help somebody less fortunate. That's crazy to me. Especially when we think about the fact that God loved the world so much <laughs> that he gave his only son, right? Not to just die for Selma or the people of Honduras. No, to, I gave it because the whole world needs it. The whole world needs to experience the goodness of God. Not just the people that look like us or talk like us or have the resources we do or the finances we do or like the things that we do or the hobbies that we like. But it's so challenging to think about that. It's kind of a wake-up call, right? Like, golly, I've got to examine myself. <laughs> like, Am I doing what he's asking me to do? Am I hiding behind these things? Am I aware of these stories? And, and you can only be responsible for what you know, right? But now that we know it, now that we know that God's challenged us to do that, challenging us to do it, what do we do with it? And he gives us a strategy. He doesn't just leave us out there and like, well, you, you know, you guys suck. You know, you, you sent a team to Honduras, good for you. What else? You, no, God doesn't do that because <laughs> uh, he loves us. But he gives us a strategy. It's in Matthew 6. He says, when you pray, when you fast, when you give, he tells us how to do it. We were uh, connected with a, a guy named Ed Savoso uh, a while back, and he had a, he's got an evangelism strategy called prayer evangelism. And it came to him because he was walking his neighborhood, and he would see his neighbor's yard uh, the grass not be cut. By the way, we're staying at Colin's house, and Colin warned me. He said, please tell Holly I didn't have a chance to cut the grass or get the grass cut. He said, so you're going to get to really experience some country woods. Um, but this guy was walking the neighborhood like that, and he would see his neighbor's yards, and they wouldn't be cut. And, and he would just be so mad. He'd be like, you sh and he would just start cussing the people, whatever, right? Or he'd go down through uh, different yards, and, and he would get on to people. And, and, I, and I understand that because Holly used to be on the um, uh, neighborhood association where we lived. And we would go through, and, and they would have to pick out, like, the most beautiful yard, and they'd put a sign in and say, this is the most beautiful yard in the thing. And while we would walk, even though Holly was on the board, I would always take that sign and put it in the worst yard in the neighborhood, and nobody ever found out. They know now if they're watching, but, uh, but, but I understood what he was saying. He would go through the neighborhood, and he would just be just complaining and cussing and getting upset with all of these different people, 
because their yards didn't look like his, and he thought they should do it. And he was asking God about it one day, and God said, hey, have you told them about me? And he said, well, no, I haven't mentioned anything. He said, good. I don't want them to know that you're anyhow connected to me. I don't want them to know you're my son. And, man, that woke him up for God to say, I don't want them to know you're my son. Like, don't mention me to them. And he created this whole strategy out of that revelation because God told him, until you're willing to talk to me about them, don't talk to them about me. Like, your goal is to bless, not curse. And it changed his whole evangelism strategy of just blessing people. Tikkun alam, just repairing the world, just random acts of kindness. And it's radically transformed his whole organization. He's written many books about it. But essentially, it's just calling us to a life of purpose, not just coasting through every day, waiting till we can go to bed or watch Netflix or whatever we do, but it's calling us to a life of purpose. What do I do with what God's given me? In Matthew 5, God doesn't say, he's the light of the world. It says, you're the light of the world. If you're the light of the world, then you go shine. I love Jesus. I'm here because of Jesus. But he's not here. (laughs) He left. And when he left, he sent the Holy Spirit to be here with us now. And now you're the embodiment of that. You're the hands and feet of Jesus. With the Holy Spirit and all the gifts that he's given you to go do what he did while he was here. And so we've got we've to figure out or, or at least ask the question of what does that look like? Because to me, it's got to look like more than we're doing. And you may be doing all of those things. And I'm definitely not trying to get you to work harder for God's grace and approval. But I'm asking you to at least ask the question to yourself of, am I doing what God's common purpose is for me on a day-to-day basis? And am I aware of special purposes that I may be needing to do? And am I willing to do those things? Just ask the question. That's half the battle, right? It's like an addiction. Like Just, just saying I've got a problem is the first step. God, I've got a problem. I'm not doing this. Awesome. Now what do we do with it? And when we do those things, it doesn't just help our church or help your life or help, you know, the the person that you're helping. You saw it with Nia and Caden, like it helps them as well. But when we do those things, we spread Jesus' fame throughout the earth, which is the goal. That's how you go into all the world, by doing what he called you to do, by living a life on purpose. In Matthew 4, it says, Jesus went about Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel, healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among the people, and his fame went throughout the land. If you leave today and you start doing random acts of kindness and you start loving your neighbor and you start blessing instead of cursing and you start, you know, all of these things, you won't have to mention blue jean. <laughs> People will seek you out. Why? Because it is so totally different than everything else we experience. This, I mean, maybe you don't get randomly blessed. But like I was thinking, Holly and I were eating dinner not long ago. We got up to pay. We had the grandkids with us, which is always fun. And she says, somebody's already taken care of your bill. That was just a random blessing. 
man, that is a huge blessing. When you got three grandkids and they all want to get you to a Japanese steakhouse, that's a big, I'm like, ever who that was, good for them. I don't even know if I would have taken one for the team, right? You, that's when you say, I'm going to pay for the person behind me, and they're like, oh, okay, it's 64, what, excuse me? I thought it was a coffee, right? But just random acts of kindness, those kind of things, that's what repairs the world. I left out of there, I'm like, oh, my God, can you believe somebody? Put? Then we're having the conversation of who was it? So now we're trying to figure out who it was and how do we bless the next person, and it, it just spreads. That's what it's saying. That's how Jesus' fame goes about is we're just living our life on purpose, doing what we're called to do with what we've been given and the next thing you know, the next person gets it, and the next person gets it, and the next person gets it. And so if you want to transform Selma, that's how we do it. <laughs> by one random act of kindness after another. By being something totally different than the world sees. Because what the world sees is, if you die tonight, where are you going to go? Hey, I see your sin, and I want to make sure I can tell you how you got there. Rarely are we seeing somebody lower that rope down in the pit and say, hey, let me help you get out of there. And I'm just not going to get you in a program. I'll bring you in my house, and I'm not just going to throw a bag of McDonald's at you out the car window. I'll take you home and cook you a meal. And I'm not going. It's going that extra step of how can I be totally different than what the world sees? That's why I became a Christian. My mother was so totally different than anything else I knew. We were so poor. We did, we did an exercise yesterday in a seminar of go back to when you were a child and think about a memory you had. And I was sitting in the living room in this uh, exercise, and I could hear the conversation happening of how we didn't have enough money. And the argument between my mom and dad. And my mom always would say, God will provide. And I can remember so clear coming home on project steps and seeing a bag of groceries on our front sto- on the stoop. Or somebody knocking on the door and say, hey, we had so much we couldn't, you know, use. Would you take this bag with us? Or um, just, just random acts of kindness. And so one day I'm sitting, I was 12, and I asked my mother, I'm like, why are you the way that you are? It was just amazing to me that it was so different. And she said, if you only knew how much God loves you, Matthew, that was her response. And I said, well, if that's what it is, I want to know that. Well, of course, you know, then, then we get way off in the weeds of she calls the pastor and they had a worship leader there and it looked like an exorcism in the living room and, you know, they're trying to baptize me in the spirit and, you know, speak in tongues. I'm like, ah, I mean, nothing's happened. I mean, I don't understand all of that. But I understood that she was good <laughs> and she was different and I wanted to be like that. She talked somebody into giving her a bus to pick up kids in the projects to bring to church every Sunday. Every week she would fill out crossword puzzles in the paper to win Bibles. She would track kids' progress and then give them a Bible when they came so many Sundays in a row. At her funeral, person after person after person stood up. If we were poor and say, if I didn't have the money that Mary sent me when I was in college, I don't know how I'd have made it. Where'd she get the money? So totally different. That's what God's calling us to be. So totally different. 
Will the actions of your life say more about Jesus than the person standing up here when you die? And again, it is not about works. (laughs) It is a free gift of grace, and this is not a salvation question. When John stood on the bank and said, there's the lamb who takes away the sin of the world, it was done. This is not a salvation question. But how do we now repair the world that we live in? And this is how. I believe it with every core of my being. This is how we repair the world. When we leave today, what's the random act of kindness I can do to somebody? How can I serve the person next to me? Do I even know the neighbors on my left and right? Do I even know what's going on with them? How do we do it? This is one of my favorite quotes, and we'll end with this. And I'm assuming do communion, or I don't know. Okay. Um, And also, Josh has got a a slide on here. But if you are interested at all, random acts of kindness, going on a mission trip, outreach, if you want to text this number with just the word go, G-O, then I'll send you some challenges of like random acts of kindness to do. I'll tell you when our next mission trip is scheduled. I'll tell you what some local outreach opportunities will not blow you up. It'll be a one-time text unless you want more than that. But if you're interested at all, then text that number and just text GO, and I'll send it to you because I'm going to challenge you. And I'm going to ask you when I come back, and I'm really good at accountability, by the way. I'm good at being held accountable, and I'm good at holding people accountable. In April, when I went on our Honduras trip, I'll just toot my own horn for a second because David says edify yourself. Nobody else is going to. Uh, But when I was in Honduras in April, one of the daughters of the pastor there, she said, Matt, why do you get older and fatter every time I see you? It hurt my feelings so bad that sitting on the porch, I said, well, let's make a bet, Becky. When I come back in June, I'll be skinnier. Can't do anything about being older. But I'll be skinnier when I come back, and I want you to pay me ever how much money it was. And she said, okay, because of course it was comical. I was getting fat, and it was a good bet for her. But I went home and thought, I'm not going to get fatter. I can't do anything about getting older, but I'm going to take some control over what I'm doing, and I'm going to start eating better, and I'm going to start you know, eating cleaner, and I'm going to lose some weight. And I did, lost 30 pounds. Amazing. Way to go, Matt. Uh, and go back, and I'm like, now give me my money. And, and she paid me. And, of course, I gave it back to her, and I didn't take her money. But, but my point is, you're only responsible for what you know. <laughs> and when she told me that, it clicked with me. Wow, I've, I have not been responsible with myself. And so today I want to challenge you, because I'm going to ask you when I come back, like, Rick, what have you done since I've been gone? Will you random acts of kindness? Have you been doing that through your job, with your employees, with your wife, with your, right? I'm going I'm to ask him. I don't know you because I'm going to ask you what you've been doing and feel free to ask me too I love it challenge me I, I, one, of the, one of my greatest mentors was a guy named Roger McElroy I don't even know where he's at in the world right now but he was an older guy probably in his 60s at least at the time and uh, when I, I, was at, I was in sales and while we were there I would get up and somebody would say they needed something I'd go get a cup of coffee and he'd beat me to the coffee thing. he'd beat me to the coffee pot and somebody would say they needed something. He'd go run and do that. And I'm like, I got it. And he's like, no. He said, you need to watch yourself, young man. And I'm like, excuse me? He said, you're not going to outserve me here. I said, excuse me? He said, 
you're not going to outserve me. He said, try. See if you can outserve me. And man, this guy, if somebody needed something, he was on it. If somebody needed him to do something, he would do it. He would go above and beyond things that wasn't even his job, uh, which was not even in my vocabulary at the time. I'm like, no, I'm only doing what I'm being paid to do. But this guy set an example that was so far above me, right? Isn't that what Paul says, do follow me as I follow Christ? Watch what I do. Now, please don't do that to me. I'm not Paul because I make a lot of mistakes. But I am going to challenge us to do more than what we've been doing. This is my favorite quote, and we'll end with. It says, preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, use words. I love that. I love that. We, we did so much on that trip, preached a lot, handed out food, all of those kind of things. We had a team with us because everybody's always concerned, well, I'm not a preacher. Well, can you hand out food? Can you shake a hand? Can you smile? Can you give a hug? Can you, um, and we had a guy, he's no longer with us, he died of COVID, but he, he had that question to me one time. He's like, I feel so worthless on these trips because I don't ever preach. And I can promise you this, where he asked that question when we were sitting in Fort Portal, Africa, the, the place there in that community, I can promise you will not remember one word I preached while we were there. But when they go every day and walk to the big water tank that he built, instead of having to walk two miles and carry jerry cans, they'll remember his name. <laughs> we all have a purpose. We have a common purpose, and you've got a special purpose, and God will reveal it to you. If you're willing to step out and say, all right, I'm open to it. That's the dangerous prayer, right? Here I am, send me. You know, where, where, where is he going to send you? What's he going to ask me to do? But that's the challenge. Preach the gospel. And if you have to, use words. I use too many words. Holly, tell me before we start, she's like, please don't preach a long message today. So... Lord, as we celebrate communion, gosh, is there a better way to end that kind of message with communion? Um, your body broken. <laughs> Not just for us, but for all the broken people in the world. Even now, just close your eyes as you're holding your communion. I want you to ask God to put someone on your mind even right now that's broken. That you can go and share how your brokenness has been healed. Or if you're sitting here today and you are broken, what is it that needs fixed, healed, repaired in you? And as you take the broken body of Jesus, let it heal you right now. Let it just wash over your entire body. So just take it now in faith, knowing that Jesus has already healed everything. my favorite part of the communion story not just because it has wine but Jesus holds it up and says this is the cup of the new covenant hey everything we've been worried about it's all changed it's total freedom it's total grace and goodness and love he says drink this in remembrance of me so let me pray for us
Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your love and your forgiveness and how over and over and over you just keep giving us chances to get into alignment with you, to do what you've called us to do. So God, I just, even now, I just speak to every purpose in this room, every mind, every will, every emotion. Let it just line up behind your purpose for us. Let us hear what it is that you're calling us to do. Today as we leave here, tomorrow, and even special purposes, you may be calling us to go and do something that's just so unheard of. But I just speak to our identity today that we would know that we're a son and a daughter, that we already have everything that we need to accomplish what you've called us to do, and that the best part of it is that you're not going to leave us out there on a limb by ourselves, that you're with us every step of the way to the ends of the earth, it says. And so, God, thank you for being there. Thank you for challenging us today in your word. Thank you that we get to celebrate all the goodness that we got to do on this mission trip to Honduras, all the people that were touched and encountered. God, let that change us. Let this message change us, God, of what you're calling us to do. We just ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, you know, um, conviction is a, is a good thing. You know, it's, a, it's, it's a, not a heavy thing. It, it, makes you want, it makes you want to do different. It doesn't make you feel bad about where you've been. What a great convicting sermon. And I don't feel I don't feel pressed down or bad at all. I just I want to be that guy. And and I think all of us do. We wouldn't be here if we didn't feel like that. And you know, the way I put it, I feel like for for me and for us as a family, that the Lord calls us to bring as many people into the kingdom as we possibly can before we check out. That's what we're supposed, that's our purpose, is to bring as many people in. And the best way to do it is to love them and to be kind and love them. We've been watching The Chosen, and uh, it's awesome. If you hadn't seen it, you need to. It's amazing. It really is. And um, I just am blown away by Jesus' kindness the way he's portrayed and how kind he is to the person that should not be kind to, it blows me away. And I've, I've said under my breath a couple of times, oh, Jesus, I love you so much watching that on how he treats people. He's just so kind. And, you know, let's pray and receive this word. And in, instead of saying, well, I suck because I'm not that good, Let's, do, let's, let's, let's receive it and say, Lord, give us the grace to walk in this. This is what we want. And so let's pray. Lord, we come to you now. Thank you for conviction. It's, it's a freeing thing. It's a wonderful thing when it's, when it's anointed. It doesn't make me feel condemned at all. It makes me want to 
do better. And uh, Lord, we ask now, I know everybody here feels like that. There's some that have just are just beginning their walk and maybe haven't been walking long enough and your call is to plug in and to just start and just start walking and as as we begin there'll be things that that people can do that they can do to help others and there are others that have been walking longer and and maybe there're things that we do we don't want to pass that person and just and not be your hands and feet, Jesus. We just don't want to. We don't want to be the person that just ignores and has has enough and doesn't think about somebody else. And Lord, in our own flesh, in our own strength, I don't, I don't know that I'm capable. I don't know that we're capable of that. But with your grace and with your spirit and with your power, we can and we will. It's, it's a slam dunk because that's who you are. And so fill us, anoint us, make us those people and give us a purpose, a united purpose that we want to bring as many people to you as possible before we check out. And uh, we thank you that you'll do that. That's a prayer in accordance with your will. And so we know that you're going to answer it. And we thank you for answering it. Um, We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's see. It's about 1030. Let's wrap it up. I'll pray us out of here. And uh, good word. And, you know, we're, I just so everybody in here will know, we're working on some new covers for the air conditioner because I can hardly talk. My lips are so cold right now. <laughs> and so help is on the way. Help is on the way. Okay? Uh, anyway, let's, let's pray up. We'll, we'll wrap up. Lord, we love you so much. We, um, we just love you so much. And um, Lord, we want to love your people well. <laughs> we just want to love your people well. It's so important to you. And uh, jump on us. Make us, give us that capacity for love that, that, that we would be known in the halls of heaven as a, as a family that loves well. <laughs> And um, yeah, we want to. And uh, Lord, as we as we wrap it up this morning and leave, let us be salt and light wherever we go, and um, and let your blessing, your favor, and your goodness, your kindness, and your face shine on us, uh, and and our families, and your blessing go with us. And we all pray that in your name, Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.